0: LeBron and D-Wade face off one last time tonight. Lakers are pursuing a trade for Trevor Ariza. And who's your all-time top five? It's the Cypher. This is what I mean about pundits, NBA pundits in particular. On one day, Max Kellerman was asked, if Kevin Durant was a top five player to which he replied with a straight face that he wasn't actually what he said was KD was in a fight for the fifth spot with Steph Curry. My top five would be LeBron Durant, Kawhi AD and Steph. But if you think about the way Kellerman is thinking, he believes that Kawhi Leonard is the second best player in the game, followed by Anthony Davis, Giannis, Steph, I guess, Steph slash KD, if you go by the way Max Kellerman is thinking and I don't follow that. I'm not going to just get caught up in numbers. I think numbers play a role. But I think that what you do in the bigger moments. I think what you do in those moments that count those signature moments, I think those hold true more than even your numbers. So a guy can go six for 18 struggle, have a bad shooting night. But late in the game, when money's on the line, he hits his last two shots, one of them being a game winner. And maybe he makes two free throws to seal the deal. That impacts me more. That matters more to me because it was money time. So I'm not sure where Kellerman is coming from, but then again, he made that point. But then the next day, he and Stephen A. Smith had a debate about the all-time team. What is your all-time starting five? Stephen A. Smith went with Curry, Jordan, KD, LeBron, and Shaq. Versus Kellerman starting five of Magic, Jordan, Bird, LeBron, and Akeem. Now, this debate started all because of the top five of Allen Iverson. And here's the answers. Top five. All time. His all time. Top five. A.I. went with Steph, Jordan, Kobe, LeBron and Shaq. Now, obviously, Stephen A. Smith made the argument. You don't need Kobe when you already have Jordan, which doesn't make any sense. A great basketball player is a great basketball player. The fact that they have similar skill sets, that's not a bad thing. A.I.'s logic is sound. A.I. said if you've got two guys on the floor like Jordan and Kobe, two killers, that's not a bad thing. And A.I. is right. Now, I'm not saying I would go with his top five, but his logic is much sounder than Stephen A. Smith's logic. But what got my attention was Kellerman making the point about Steph coming up short in high leverage moments about Steph coming up short when the money was on the line. He also said that Steph isn't the best player on his own team. Well, if he isn't the best player on his own team, obviously the best player on Golden State is Kevin Durant, which actually is a factual statement. So if you believe that Steph's not the best player on his own team, then the argument you made the previous day makes no sense at all. Again, pundits arguing against themselves. For me, my top five, I'm going with Magic. Jordan, Kobe, LeBron, and Kareem. That's my top five. And the thing about top five is we can agree to disagree. I'm sure on some people's top five, you're going to have Will. You'll have Shaq. I would not be shocked with anybody that has Olajuwon. He was that gifted, that great a player, and he was dominant on both ends of the floor. So I understand someone selecting him. Maybe even an older person would go with the great Bill Russell. Somebody might even come up with Moses Malone as their five men. Some people would move Kobe out and replace him and put Tim Duncan in place. And again, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Tim Duncan was a transcendent player. He was that gifted of a basketball player on both ends of the floor. And he was a consummate professional. So I have no problem with that. Again, agreeing to disagree, not a bad thing because we're going to we're going to all have our different views on top five, just like we're going to have our different views on who's the greatest player or who's the second greatest player or the greatest team and so on and so on. That is the beauty. That is the fun of sports. I'm not here to tell you what's right or wrong. I'm here to give you my opinion. Or share my opinion, share my knowledge and hopefully in return, you'll return back to listen, and that's the beauty of the cypher. I'm not not someone who can't be objective. I think, if anything, I'm super objective. Magic Johnson is my all-time favorite player. He's the guy that I watched as a kid growing up. And yet, I'm honest enough to admit he's not the greatest player of all time. But he is one of the greats, and I'm good with that. I'm not the biggest Michael Jordan fan. I didn't grow up rooting for him. I actually rooted against him. The only time, and I've said this before on numerous occasions, the only time I rooted for Michael Jordan was against the Pistons, and that's just because there was something unlikable about the Pistons. But that's the only time I rooted for Michael Jordan. And speaking of great players, D-Wade and LeBron face off for the last time tonight. In an article from Dave McMenamin of ESPN, he wrote about the last matchup between LeBron James and D. Wade. And as I read the article, I started thinking about the amazing career Wade has had, because we we sometimes forget how great Wade was and how this final season has given us the NBA fans, along with his NBA family. It's kind of a fun way to say goodbye. And Wade is averaging 15 points per game, three rebounds, three assists, shooting 43 percent from the field and a career high 38 percent from three. And while he's not what he was, Wade can still have the occasional turn back the clock game that reminds you how special a player he was. Like the 25 points, six rebounds and six assists he had versus the Clippers in a 121-98 win. Or the 35, five and six in a 125-115 loss to the Raptors. At age 38, he can't be flash every night. But he'll always be D-Wade. He'll be D-Wade, the 12-time All-Star. The three-time NBA champ. Two-time All-NBA First Team. Three-time All-NBA Second Team. Three-time All-NBA Third Team. Three times he made All-NBA Second Team Defense. That's his NBA resume. And oh, don't forget, in the 06 finals, when he won finals MVP, he averaged 34 points per game. In his prime, Wade's ability to attack the basket and finish through contact because of his explosive first step, great leaping ability, along with that money step back jumper, it made him unguardable at times. And Wade was more than a scorer. For a six-year run, he averaged over six dimes per game. As I watch him today, Wade's kind of aging the way a lot of us NBA fans wanted Carl Mello. We wanted Mello to age this way. We wanted Mello to transition into a player who, while no longer a star, can still be productive enough to help a team win in a lesser role. And I can't help but to not, tonight while I watch this game and while I'm a Laker fan, I, I really I can't hope that maybe Wade will have one more turn back the clock performance. I'm a big fan. Salute D Wade. But sports doesn't always play out the way we want them to. In a lot of ways, sports plays out like real life. We don't always get to say goodbye on our terms to every great player. Or every friend or family member. That's just a harsh reality. Think about this. Kobe's last season in the NBA, it was painful to watch at times. He struggled. You could tell his body was breaking down. He just was a shell of the player that he was. Every now and then, he would give you a turn back moment. But the great games were far and in between. But that final season, that farewell season was made worth it because of what he gave you in the last game of the season, in the season finale, in the last game of his career, Kobe Bryant goes off for 60 points against the Jazz and leads the Lakers to a victory. We got to say goodbye to one of the all-time greats that way. But think about it the other way around. What if your body breaks down suddenly and you don't get a chance to say goodbye? Like Chris Bosh continued blood clotting, clotting, it cut his career short. And when you look at Chris Bosh's career, his resume, 11-time All-Star, two-time NBA champ, just those two things right there, Chris Bosh is going to be a Hall of Famer. Now, the debate might be whether or not he's first ballot, but I'm certain he will be a member of the Hall of Fame. From his third year with the Raptors until his final year with the franchise, Bosh averaged 22 points and nine rebounds before joining D-Wade and LeBron in Miami and going to four straight finals. What he did, though, by going to the Heat, sure, they won titles, but Bosch was that odd man out. He was the one who had to sacrifice his playing style, and he had to sacrifice individual numbers. No question, Chris Bosh is a Hall of Fame player. He also was a Hall of Fame teammate. And while Bosch was forced to retire suddenly, the same can't be said for Carmelo Anthony. When you look at Melo's career, when you look at how quickly he's fallen, it seems to be told, or it seems to be that he's being told by the league, we no longer want your services. Or it's not us, it's you. If he never plays again, Carmelo's resume 10-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA second team, four-time All-NBA third team. And from his rookie season until his final season with the Knicks, which was 15 seasons, Mello averaged no less than 20 points per game for 15 seasons. That's crazy. And in his prime, because we forget that. We always see the, the, the very end. Sometimes we forget what they look like at their very best. But in his prime... Melo could take you off the dribble. He was actually athletic. He had hops. He could bang on people. He could wear defenders out in the post with his strength and his mid range jumper was money. But the current version of Melo, the one that you see right now, the one that apparently no team seems to want. He's never adjusted to the fact that his legs are shot and instead of posting up more and getting to the foul line. He's launching most of his shots from behind the arc. He's become a a three-point shooter, a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, which goes against who he truly is. And I'm kind of confused on why both OKC and Houston would use him primarily in a spot-up role when he's not that type of shooter. There's been a lot of talk about Melo being washed and how the league has passed him by. I don't know if the league has passed him by, but what I do know is between the way the league has seemed to turn on him, the way the pundits have turned on him. It's a sad way to see one of the great players go out. I actually hope that at some point a team does pick him up and even if it's in a lesser role, he can show that he can help a team win. He can prove all the naysayers wrong. I want Melo to go out and have that feeling that Kobe had, have that feeling that D. Wade is having right now. I've said this. I just said this. The way D. Wade has aged it's the way you wish Melo had aged the way you wished a a Dwight Howard could age instead of turning a career that should be a Hall of Fame career into a joke, into a punchline. You want better for those types of players. But in some ways, they have to want it just as much as you do. And in Dwight Howard's case, I'm not so sure about that. In Melo's case, I don't know. It It's frustrating because I get that he's not what he was. Sometimes you wonder if he understands he's not what he was. It's no secret that the Lakers constantly have rumors surrounding the team in terms of who they might acquire, who they might trade for, and what young asset they plan on keeping. So the latest rumor is, is that the Lakers are pursuing a trade for Trevor Ariza. Obviously, if you know the way this is set up, the Lakers cannot trade anybody until December 15th. That's when the guys they signed over the summer become eligible. And to make the money right, the person or the piece they're going to add to the deal will be KCP caldwell Pope. Now, in getting Ariza, if this deal goes through, if the Lakers are to acquire him, because from what I've heard, there's at least eight or nine other teams that have contacted Phoenix trying to acquire Ariza's services, and I'm sure one of them is his former team, the Rockets. But what Ariza does for the Lakers is He gives them another leader. He also gives you one of the better perimeter defenders in the game. Even though he's aging, he can shoot the three. He's the classic three and D guy, but he also has the ability to guard, guard guys bigger than him. My question is, though, if you had an issue with adding Melo or some other player because you were worried about taking minutes away from Kuzma and Ingram, adding Ariza does the same thing. There's no way they're bringing in Trevor Ariza to just sit at the back of the bench. So if they're going to bring in Ariza and take minutes away from Kuzma or Ingram or both. That leads me to believe that the Lakers have another move they plan on making. And I've always said this. Once you acquire LeBron James, especially 33 year old LeBron, you're not wasting a year or two waiting on young players to develop. It would be different if Brandon Ingram or Kuzma took a massive leap forward and you saw saw one of them playing at an all-star level. And that hasn't been the case. Kuzma's played better of late, but his overall season, his overall game and his overall numbers, they mirror what he did last season. Same for Ingram. And in Lonzo Ball's case, what can you say? He can look good one game, look bad for the next three, then look good the following game. The one thing that's consistent about Lonzo is he's inconsistent. Not to mention people can always talk ad nauseum about Lonzo needs to be more aggressive. He needs to attack the basket more. The problem with that is that's not who he is. I I don't want to disappoint Laker fans or maybe just NBA fans in general. He doesn't have that dog in him. Your point guard, the guy that runs the show, needs to be able to to not only penetrate, but attack the basket, take the contact, and be willing to go shoot free throws. Lonzo doesn't attack the basket because he doesn't want to go to the free throw line, because he shoots less than 50% from the free throw line. I'm not sure how you can have a point guard like that and win games, especially in late game situations. Because if I'm the opposing team and it's a close game and we're both in the penalty, I'm fouling Lonzo. It's hack Alonzo. Lonzo. And guess what's, what's going to happen? He's going to choke off those free throws. This is nothing against the young man. I hope he does develop into a star like player. I don't think he's going to be a transcendent player like a lot of these pundits do. I don't see Jason Kidd when I watch him play. I'm not really see- sure who I see because he's kind of erratic. But my hope is he will develop into a talented, legitimate starter. Right now, he just has that P word potential in front of him. Same as Kuzma, same as Ingram, but just to a lesser degree. I think bringing in Areza is a sign that Magic and Rob Palenka are looking to make a major deal. They're looking to win right now, which is what I thought was going to happen all along once you agree to sign LeBron. Facebook fam, good looking out. YouTube fam, appreciate you. I'll be back tomorrow. It's the cypher next time.